Hello, and welcome to the 19th episode of the Crystal Clear Watchmaking Podcast. I'm your host, Luke. Our co-host, Jay, is not here to join us today, so I'm going to do a solo podcast. This is going to be a new experience for me. haven't done this before. We're going to try to chug along. Um, you know, we were going to do one together as usual, and uh, totally my fault. Missed, missed our scheduled time, so now I have to do it alone. So I'm going to do it alone. I just wanted to talk about a couple things today. I don't think it's going to be quite as long as, as previous episodes without the uh, incredible support of uh, Jay. Really great co-host to have, of course. Um, but yeah, today I wanted to talk about... Well, let's let's do um, let's do a wrist check for fun. Uh, I'm wearing a King Seiko. Very nice watch. And uh, it's reminding me of a watch that I just finished servicing... And I feel really good about it. Um, I would call myself a extremist, not extremist, extreme hobbyist uh, watchmaker. And so I don't really fix watches for other people generally uh, because, you know, I like to do things at my own pace, really enjoy it, you know, don't want it to be a job, right? Um, but I finished a watch for someone else, uh, turned out really well. So I'm very happy. It was just a, it's just a, you know, historically speaking, a normal Seiko. But, you know, there's a lot of uh, emotional value to these timepieces. So, you know, to this person and, uh, and uh, the people around them, it's, you know, more like a Rolex. So let's, let's talk about, I think, what, what could be considered a temporary issue uh, in, in watch news and then kind of how I feel about about these things in general, okay? So we're, we're talking today about the SIHH, or newly branded Watches and Wonders, and Basel World. They've both been uh, canceled slash postponed. So SIHH uh, said canceled, to my knowledge. Basel World is postponed until January 2021. So this is because of coronavirus, now, it's, it's a bit of a different way than even a decade ago we'd talk about such things. So, for example, when H1N1, uh, swine flu, if I'm remembering correctly, when it was being spread, it was only declared an emergency in the U.S. after a thousand people were dead and millions of people were considered possibly infected. So... Uh, I went back in the New York Times to to double check that. So now, I mean, we're responding much, much faster. That brings me a lot of more confidence. So I'm I'm hoping that this this uh, a bit of a disaster globally, um, you know, because of how uh, uh, alert we are, that we're gonna we're gonna come through this. So. The other problem with this one, of course, is uh, that it started in China, you know, which is um, a government that, you know, the communication cannot exactly be considered to be the truth when it comes from China. They've got a lot of concerns about um, how China is perceived um, with outside countries and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it's very hard to say. I think we're going to know a lot more in the coming weeks about how big of a threat coronavirus is to all of us as it's now landed in a few Western countries. Now, um, I would say just in general, I don't want you to say, 
oh, I heard about the coronavirus on this watch podcast, and that's why I have this opinion. Go to the CDC, other professional agencies to get your information. I'm not really going to talk about, uh, you know, how people get sick or anything like that. I I think that's a a little beyond the purview of what we're doing here. But what I did want to talk about was um, just the logic in general um, to canceling these events. So, I mean, the first thing is, I mean, just with any disease, you know, concentration of a lot of folks in a small area, um, like in conventions, I mean, disease can be spread. And in fact, for the very nerdy amongst us, if there's people who go to like uh, comic conventions, anime conventions, you know, these kinds of things pretty often, people who go to those things, they talk about convention sickness uh when they leave um a lot of people just kind of expect to get sick with whatever's sort of being passed around because of the incredible density of people everyone's eating the same food in the same areas all using the same facilities um to go to the bathroom all that sort of jazz so you know stuff gets passed around so they call it you know their their convention sickness of course, the other things about conventions is they bring people from all over the place in airlines. So, you know, even if all the different people that come to a convention uh, had no problem, you know, they could have been on a plane next to somebody, you know, this kind of thing. So out of an abundance of caution, which I think is, is pretty reasonable, both events were canceled. Now, one thing that I wanted to discuss about this is, you know, Let's consider worst case scenario, okay? I think, uh, you know, best case scenario, both events would have gone off without a hitch. Nobody would have gotten infected with coronavirus, and uh, everyone would look, you know, silly for being concerned, blah, 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 right? Okay, looking back on it. But let's talk about second best case scenario. Only one person gets sick. That still would be, you know, news and reflect really badly on the organizers and their decision to hold it and stuff. Just one sick. I'm, I mean, if that person dies, you know, we don't, we don't want, um, you know, watches uh, to be causing people to, to, to pass away. That's just not really acceptable, you know, because it's completely avoidable, <laughs> right? And then let's talk about worst case scenario. Let's say oh my gosh, there's like 10 people who arrive and are sick with coronavirus and they don't know it and everyone at Basel World and SIHH uh, gets infected and, you know, there's a death toll, okay? The thing that would be so terrible about that for watches, I mean, outside of the human part of it, because obviously it's not good uh, when anyone dies, but um, the thing that would be tough about this for the industry is that it's a very small industry. We got a lot of older professionals. You know, older people tend to, you know, get sick easier and uh, have a harder time when they do get sick because a lot of these industry professionals have, you know, taken a long time to be at such a high level of watchmaking. And a lot of them have very specialized skills. So, you know, you'll hear something like, Oh, this one enamel technique uh, took two decades to learn only two people know to bring to our standards. You know, you hear this kind of thing all the time when you hear about uh, Swiss watchmaking. Um, 
small independent companies, that sort of thing. So, you know, just one or two one or two people passing away can could lose decades, very specialized um, knowledge. So, uh, you know, this is an industry that can't really handle a severe outbreak of any kind. And, you know, a lot of people in the industry, it's not just journalists that go to Basel World, you know, we've got uh, independent watchmakers going and just like bringing the two watches that they made over, <laughs> over the course of the year by hand, you know, so there's a there's a lot of people there, and so the absolute worst. I'm not saying this is likely, but the absolute worst case scenario could be extremely devastating if such a thing were to happen. So let's let's break away from that. I think I think we've talked about it. We talked about you know best case scenario, worst case scenario, and just one person getting sick sort of scenario, and about the virus compared to the past. Uh, so now I want to talk about some of the consequences that I think this will have. Okay. So one of the concerns, okay, is that when somebody doesn't go to Baselworld for a year, they need to find another way to get their product out there. You know, they won't have this event where all the journalists come to them. It's not the thing that they're, you know, right now, a lot of places are kind of on rails, you know, this is how they do it. They've done it for I've done it for 20 years this way, you know, whatever. That was a little bit more Russian sounding than than the than the Swiss French sound. I guess that one was uh Konstantin Chaikin, which hasn't been make he hasn't been making watches for 20 years, I don't think. Um but, but anyway, um so these these places, all of these companies are going to have to come up with for a year, you know, a different way of doing things. And that could severely damage these these shows because once the companies have come up with a different way of doing things, maybe it doesn't go so well and they're like, oh yeah, I definitely want to go back to Basel World. You know, we struggled that year. But if they do well, mm, their incentive to go to Basel World is lowered by a great amount. Now, I don't know the dollar figures or anything, but my understanding is just getting a space for Basel World uh, is, you know, in the seven digits of USD. So, you know, million dollar plus or whatever. And then the basically you get a space in the Basel World Convention Center and then you build up a booth there. So these places are basically building watch boutiques that are only going to be there for a short period of time and they spend millions to have the nicest boutique, blah, blah, blah. So these are huge investments by these companies to do it. So if they take all that money and they do some social media thing and they find that they do just as well, maybe they don't want to uh, come back to Basel World. And so that, that could be an unintended consequence. And I think it's one of the reasons why Watches and Wonders, they canceled actually pretty quickly they were like well you know this just doesn't seem responsible it's canceled and then it took it took a little bit longer for basel world to be like okay fine you know maybe we shouldn't <laughs> and i think this was one of the factors now what how do i feel about these things in general well in general i have to say that i think that they have some value now 
in the past uh, what I have heard of Basel World. Haven't been there, but you know, it's very much uh, a place for vendors, for retailers. So, you know, Omega goes, a bunch of retailers go, they talk to Omega, they look at the new stuff, they decide to order what they want for the year or whatever, and then that's what everyone's there to do. So if you just go there as, you know, a dude or a girl, you're not going there to do like, you know, multi-million dollar purchases of inventory. And so the people there are not so interested in talking to you. And I, I, I feel like that has been a problem with Basel World in the past. And, you know, they have a year. They, they have a lot of time to think about what they want to do. And they might not do it until Watches and Wonders shows them how it's done. But I, I feel like Basel World needs to change. However, what I will say about Basel World is that it is a useful thing. It gives an amount of prestige seeing all the people fly there, even even if you're just sitting at home looking at the results on Instagram or whatever, it shows you that these watches and everything, those are worth people traveling for. People care, you know what I'm saying? It's not just a Twitter hashtag or something. So I think that Basel World doing that, it's important. Um, it's sort of... Not exactly, but it's sort of in the way that people like Apple, they'll they'll intentionally not make enough of the next iPhone, for example. And then the news would show up and they'd be like, oh, look at these lines for the iPhone. Everyone wants to make sure that they get their iPhone on the day it comes out. Oh, this guy's been camped out here three days before the iPhone even comes out. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Other people see it, they're like, wow, that's really something worth getting, that iPhone thing. And I feel like the Swiss watch and Basel World and this, it kind of has a similar vibe. You know what I'm saying? So it, it probably has a good amount of value. When the Swiss watch market, if, if, if we were to just take away all of these like watch fairs, I don't know. It would be tough because people would just be competing against each other and it wouldn't be oh swiss watchmaking is great you know rising tide lifts all boats type deal it's more like oh just rolex is great you know that's what the message that each company is going to want to give that just their company is great and that there's no prestige to the concept behind the thing that they are making is great and i th i think that's just a thing that watch retailers are bad at doing in general now, as far as Watches and Wonders goes, I think that they're awesome. Uh, I, of course, they haven't done their their new setup yet. So it's kind of disappointing that their, their new setup, they didn't get to show it off. But the concept I love. The concept is it's there for people to go and visit. You and me, it's for us. It's not just for retailers. So you go to Watches and Wonders. Uh, you get to talk to all the brands, and then they'll... They'll have like uh, shows and they'll be like, okay, this is what we do when we make the dials and they show workshops and, uh, you know, you get to do maybe a little factory tour of a nearby uh, watchmaker, um, all this sort of thing so that people can really, you know, have the one-on-one -on -one experience, really learn what's going on. And I think, you know, obviously I think that the mechanics and everything are awesome because that's what I care about with watches. But I think that for 
uh, people who are buying watches, seeing, you know, the engraver there at SIHH um, engraving, you know, flowers into a balance cock for hours. And they and then they realize, oh, my gosh, now next time I see that, I remember seeing the person do it. They were, you know, so professional and it took them, you know, they were displaying for hours their engraving, you know, like, I understand why this is. Uh, really a high tier thing to have in my watch so i i think watches and wonders um is sort of the future i'm hoping that basel world sort of goes in that direction be more friendly for the enthusiastic uh person that is just buying watches because i have to say these brands they're not necessarily reaching people directly they're reaching one person like me, one person like you, the type of person who's listening to a freaking watch podcast. You know what I'm saying? They're, the the brand reaches someone like you, someone like me, and then we're the people who bring other people to that brand. So aiming your product at the, you know, freakishly over-enthusiastic guy or girl uh, and having some really fun stuff for them to see and do that. I think that's valuable. Okay. Um, and so I, I think that that might be a bit of the future. It's just like how I say in the product itself that I think the exhibition case back is absolutely necessary because it allows the people who own them to really understand how amazing the inside is, um, and to see, you know, the craftsmanship. When you have that uh, that solid case back, it's just not that way. Uh, even for divers, we've got the technology now. You can have an exhibition case back and get down to 200 meters. Okay, 100 meters, easy, easy, easy. But I I'm pretty sure I've seen 300 meters on an exhibition case back. Nobody's diving any deeper than that, realistically. So I feel like even divers, they should all have exhibition case backs. Um, to show why you're buying that thing, why you're not just getting an Apple Watch or you're not getting, you know, a, a low-level quartz watch. So I, I feel like I went on a little bit of a tangent there, but basically I want I want Basel World, I want SIHH to not just be about brands and not just be about individual watches, but basically being the exhibition case back to the industry and uh, really letting in the customer who is... Uh, very interested and will, you know, word of mouth pass on their experience to other people. Now, this was a short little episode, of course. It's hard to stand on my own without uh, Jay really helping me out. A really great co-host. So I'm going to I'm gonna sign off. This will be probably the shortest podcast we ever do. Um, but next week, we'll see you as we continue to discuss gears, springs, oils, watches, brands, all things watches, and watchmaking.